Well, we've got several things we want to talk about today. And uh, that is that Jesus stills the storm. He stills the storm. So I want you to take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 8. The book of Matthew and chapter 8. We're going through some of the things on the life of Christ. So you understand a little bit about who he is, what he did. And the Bible says, these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that by believing in him, you may have life through his name. Everything he did is not written down. But what is written down is enough for us to believe. So that's why it's so important for every one of us to believe what God has to say. So here in the book of Matthew, in chapter 8, and verse 18, the Bible says that Jesus went about doing good. That everywhere he went, he just, he did good. Found in the book of Acts in chapter 10. So Christ did good everywhere he went, and uh, he was able to do some things that nobody else could do. Uh, if you think you're going to follow the example of Christ in every area, <laughs> have fun. He could walk on water. Try that. And I wouldn't advertise you're going to feed 5,000 next Sunday because you may have a problem. Especially if you only had, you know, just a couple of fish and a couple of loaves of bread. Uh, you may come up short. The Bible tells in the Old Testament, book of Isaiah, that a man can sleep on a bed and the bed's too short. You ever seen some big fella with the bed too short and the feet hang over? In other words, he's, he's coming up short. And uh, put a, a blanket over you, and uh, the, the blanket's too small to cover you. You ever have that happen? When your wife turns over and she takes all the covers. So then you kick her out of bed and take the covers. Well, the Lord lets us know that in life we, we come up short. We don't know everything. We can't do everything. We can't stop everything. We can't heal everything. We don't have the wisdom to get ourselves out of a lot of jams. And the Lord delights and deliverance, doing something for you and I that we can't do for ourselves. But just kind of get an idea. Look what he says there in verse 16, in verse 16 of chapter 8. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. He cast out the spirits with his word, healed all that were sick. Now that's better than the Obama health care plan. You know that affordable health care? This was free. I was like, if somebody could just do it, it was free, free. So I guess the Lord in heaven, he knows about all the sicknesses and diseases. And he can heal everything, everybody, solve every problem. And the Bible even makes this statement. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. But just because God is able to do it, doesn't mean he will. And that's the hard part about learning in life. Just because God is able to do anything doesn't mean he's going to do it. And the Bible also makes this statement that sometimes people don't have because he says you have not because you ask not. And sometimes you can ask and still not get. Does God know what you have need of before you ask? Then why should I have to ask? He already knows. But he wants you to ask. And just because you do ask and he can do something about it, he may choose not to. Because he may have a better reason for not answering your prayers. 
I have lived long enough to be so thankful that God has not answered all of my prayers. And uh, some of them that he answered, uh, that wasn't really what I wanted, but I've learned that his way is always best. Don't argue with God. Don't try to bless God out. I, I did that in the early part of my ministry, but it's not the best thing to do. You know, to get mad at God and just, I'll tell God what I really think. You know, like sometimes I have a hard sermon I'll preach in church, and then somebody walk out the door and says, why don't you just tell us what you really think? Well, here he makes a statement. Look there in verse 17. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our iniquities. So Christ did some of this, see, before he ever went to the cross. So that's why there's no healing in the atonement. When Christ went to the cross, he paid for our sins. Healing is not in the cross, and therefore you can claim healing because Christ died on the cross. That is not true. Uh, that is heretical teaching uh, done by a lot of times uh, Pentecostals or uh, apostolic or, you know, the charismatic, that get into the, the healing line and say, just claim it, just claim it. No, you can't claim it because you have no right to it. Uh, this is what Christ did while he was here, and he did do this, and it is written from the book of Isaiah in chapter 53. So Christ did this, but see, he fulfilled that scripture, but he hadn't gone to the cross yet, so it's not in the cross. It's not in the payment he made on the cross, and you can just name it and claim it. No, you can't. You can give it all you, give it your best shot, but that's not where it is. Now, look what he says here in verse 18. Now, when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave commandment to depart unto the other side. So the Bible says that there were a lot of people, and but he knew how to drum up a crowd, didn't he? I mean, he could just do a little miracle and everybody come out to see what he did. And a lot of people did it because they simply wanted something from him. They didn't want him. They wanted what he could do. They wanted those uh, free fish sandwiches, you know, they could get. You know, like trying to have a special at Burger King or whatever. Look in verse 23. In verse 23, verse 23 to 27 kind of gives us an idea of this little story of what took place. He says here in verse 23, And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. Now remember, they're with the Lord. It's hard for us to understand, but if you had been there, you probably would have done a little whining and pining yourself. He's asleep. There's a storm. They think they're going to sink. They're worried. And the one that can calm the waves, still the storms, sound asleep. Believe it or not, there's sometimes in life, we think God is asleep. He just, he doesn't know what's going on in my life. I mean, if he knew what I was having to face, he'd do something about this. And so we try to put pressure upon God. Lord, if you only knew, if you'd have been here, remember Mary and Martha? Lord, if you'd have been here, this would not have happened. But you were not here, it's your fault. You could have stopped this. As you live your Christian life, you'll find that there's a lot of things God could have done. But you know, as God looks down from heaven, he looks at you and he says, you know, you need to learn this lesson. And so the way for you to learn this lesson is for me to let you have this trial. This trial will teach you this lesson that I want you to learn. Because I have some people that need to know this. 
And, but you don't know it. You don't know the answer to that problem that this other person has. So I'm going to teach you a lesson so that you can share it. So God will let trials come into your life. And they don't come all at one time. But he said, I want you to learn a lesson. So you are asking God to remove it. And God says, no, it's there for a reason. He wants you to learn something. Always be willing to learn from every trial and tribulation, temptation, everything that you have that comes in your life. The ups and the downs and everything. About it. God teaches us differently. See, we like to just think, if I just sit down with the Word, He's going to teach me all I need to know. No, this is just book learning. Now you've got to apply it. So in your life, God is going to teach you things that you don't know. So believe it or not, things may be going along real smooth right now. But the Lord says, you know, there's somebody over there that's got a real big problem going to have it next week. So I think I'll just, um, I'll take Lynn and teach him a real good lesson this week so he'll be ready to go. And so the Lord may give you personalized attention. Now you and I are not the one that decides what we need to learn. Our Heavenly Father is doing that. He is teaching us. Just like when He was here, literally, He taught the people because He knew what they needed. Well, He knows now what we need, so He's still going to teach us, but we sometimes don't like the way He teaches. But He wants you to learn. So whatever going on, say, Lord, help me learn it quick. Help me learn it quickly. I had some things happen not long ago, and Betty says, you better learn it quick. <laughs> You need to learn quickly. Because <laughs> you think, as soon as I learn the lesson, uh, maybe the problem will go away. And you know that it's, it's a lot of truth to it. If you'll just stop fighting God, learn what He has for you. And it could be He wants to teach you patience. It means you don't get what you want when you want it. You don't get the answers when you want. But you learn how to be patient and meek and happy. In spite of everything that's coming back, it's going wrong. God is a wonderful teacher. Jesus Christ was the greatest teacher ever. Nobody could teach like he could teach. He's the Lord. So he knew what he was doing. But he noticed this. And he says there in verse 26, And he said unto them, Why are you fearful, O ye of what? Little faith. Remember this. Uh, Going to heaven is not the result of having great faith, because you know, that's a long ways away. So I really got to have a lot of great faith to get me all the way there. No, it's not the size of your faith, it's the object of your faith. See, if you put your faith in the Lord, then you're all right. Is that you're not putting your faith in Him. You're putting it in something else, and it's going to let you down. They were putting their trust in that boat, their own talent, their own abilities, and they're very limited. But if you learn to go through life, just trust in the Lord. You should be surprised at greater peace of mind and joy that you will have. And then look what he says here in verse 26. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Now, if the Lord has such power, that he can just speak the word and cause it to be peaceful, still. God is able to do all of that. 
Remember, he was able to cast out demons. He was able to heal, able to raise the dead. He's able to do anything. And that verse we read while you go, for he is able to make all things, do all things, and it will amaze you what he is capable of doing there in the book of Ephesians in chapter 4. But you know, just because he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that you ask or think, doesn't mean he will. But you and I are supposed to live our life believing he's able to. When the three Hebrew children was going to be cast into the burning fiery furnace, the king says, will your God be able to deliver you? He says, be it known unto you, O king, whether he does or he doesn't, our God is able to do it. But if he does, fine. If he doesn't, that's fine too. So you can trust the Lord because it's one thing to believe God can't do anything. That hurts. But when I know he can, but he might not unless he has a, a higher purpose for my life. You know, there comes a time when God will allow us to die, right? If he doesn't, none of us will ever get to heaven. Don't we want to go someday? Well, we can't get there unless we leave here. So one day we're going to have to die. So one day God just liable to let you get sick. God just liable to let something happen to you. And he's able to prevent all things, but that doesn't mean that he will. So it's important to remember that. Look what else he says here in verse 27. But the men marvel, saying, What manner of man is this? that even the winds and the sea obey him. The winds and the sea obey him. Now, that's, that's power. And when they made say, what manner of man? Well, this was a different kind of a man. This was a perfect man. He had no sinful nature. But he was also perfect God. He was the perfect God and perfect man, unity. This was a very awesome man. A man that could do anything because he says, as a man, he humbled himself to the Father and did all that he did and all the miracles by the power of the Holy Spirit. In other words, to teach us we're supposed to depend upon the Lord and not upon our own personal wisdom and strength. So, these things are in God's Word and it's uh, very important. Now, I want you to take your Bible and just look at it real quickly in the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms, Psalms 56. Psalms 56. There's a verse there that you might enjoy looking at. Psalms 56 and verse 3. And you'll notice what it says. What time I am afraid, I will panic. Are you reading your Bible? Did you look at it? Did I read it right? You just take the preacher at his word. You don't check him to make sure that he's staying by the book. Look what it says. In what time I am afraid I will lose my mind. I will panic. I'm looking for the panic button. I will trust the Lord. I will trust in thee. There's times when you don't know what to do. You just don't know what to do. In spite of how much Bible you have, and all the wisdom that you have, and how many years you've been serving the Lord, there still seems like there's things that comes up and you just don't know how you're going to handle it. So you just trust the Lord. Trust the Lord to walk you through it. Remember, He's walking with us. 
He lives inside of us, and he's going to walk with us. He'll walk you through everything you need to go through. And sometimes he doesn't go around things. He doesn't go over things. He doesn't go under things. Sometimes you've got to go right through the middle of things. The Lord is good. And he's teaching us all these wonderful, wonderful lessons. Now, I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. Jesus knew that people get hungry. He knew they had to have things to drink. No food to eat. He knew this. As a man, he was here. He got hungry. He got thirsty. So what he's doing is showing them that, look, in the Old Testament, when they were hungry in the wilderness, God gave them manna to eat. Miraculously supplied them manna to eat. A heavenly food. And God gave them exactly what they need to live on. Now, you might get tired of eating the same food every day, but whatever it was, was some kind of miraculous food. I wish I could invent whatever it was. Because evidently, they stayed in pretty good shape. You know, they lived in the wilderness. And did you know that the Bible says that their clothes never wore out? Their shoes never wore out? Can you imagine they were there for 40 years? Your wife saying, honey, I've been wearing the same dress for 40 years. <laughs> so hope she had two dresses. Wear one dress for 40 years? What about the shoes? Today you find one shoe that you like and fits you and your side. Buy it in all colors and get it now. And go into most houses and you'd be surprised how many shoes a woman will have in a house. I made a comment about that one day to my wife. Not the smartest move in the world. She pulled that closet thing back and she said, look at your ties. I had as many ties as she has shoes. And I think in the Old Testament, I don't even know if they ever wore a tie. Now you know where ties come from, Thailand. So when I get to heaven, I'm going to find the guy. I hope he's in heaven because I'm going to beat the tar out of him for inventing ties. That's been the curse of mankind is ties. I only do it because I'm supposed to look dignified. But if I had my own way, I have dungarees and a t-shirt and tennis shoes. <laughs> when I was growing up, I went barefooted. I'd just squash the mud between my toes. Anybody ever do that? Just get in the mud, just squash the mud between your toes. Now when I get to heaven, I'm going to squash gold dust between my toes, you know. But anyway, in Matthew in chapter 14, look there in verse, oh, what's a good verse? Look at verse 13. They were in a desert. In a desert place. In verse 13, when Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert. Now, why would you go to a desert in a ship? I mean, if it's a desert, how do you get a ship to go in? I'm just being cute. But you'll notice over there in verse 28, same chapter, it says, coming to me on the water. So whether in with the Lord, you know, desert, water, the Lord is always with you. I was told to be in, faithful in season, out of season. Always be faithful. Because you never know when there's going to be a harvest. Especially when you're talking about winning people to Christ. 
So whether it's on the internet or wherever, you want people to trust the Lord. And sometimes it seems like there's dry spells, and then it seems like a flood of them. And it's just a wonderful thing. Be faithful all the time. In your Christian life, when it seems like being faithful doesn't pay off, there'll be times when it seems like, I'm doing right, but nothing goes my way. Just keep doing right because it's right to do. Always do right. And God will bless you for that. And in verse 14, now this is similar to Matthew chapter 9, when it says, He saw the multitude and he was moved with compassion on them. For they were like sheep having no shepherd. So God is interested in teaching you and I things so that we can be leaders. See, when the Bible talks about be ye an example of the believer, an example of the believer means other people are supposed to follow your example. So that makes you a leader. So whether you're a wife or whether you're a husband, but whoever, if you're a child of God, you're to be a leader. Because you should be able to say to somebody else, follow my example. Follow me as I follow Christ. Now, if you're not following Christ, they ought not follow you. Follow me as I follow Christ. Because some people, they're just lost without a shepherd. Somebody that helps them and teaches them. So the reason we try to teach people the Word of God, so you'll live by the Word of God, and so people will follow your example. Because you're going to influence people. That's what serving the Lord is all about. But look in verse 15. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, This is a desert place. The time is now past. Send the multitude away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves vigil. In other words, their people are hungry. So send those people away so they can go into the towns nearby, you know, McDonald's or Burger King and someplace like that, or Village Inn, and get something to eat. In verse 16, But Jesus said to them, They need not depart. Give you them to eat. Give, we'll give them something to eat. Now, when you read this same story over in the book of John chapter 6, the Bible says that Jesus knew in himself what he was going to do. He already knew what he was going to do. He didn't tell them. So he says, well, go feed them. Well, with what? Because they were helpless to do anything. They couldn't feed them. He said, well, what do you have? Well, there's a little lad here. He's got a little bit. He said, what has he got? Is he in verse 17? And they said unto him, we have here but five loaves and two fishes. He says, bring them hither to me. Now, buddy, this is a miracle. Now, there were some people who followed Christ in chapter 6 of John who only followed him because of the miracles that he did because they were on the gimme train. Gimme, 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 gimme. Uh, he wanted people to come to him and want him more than what he could give. Well, there's people like that today. You know, God is somebody that you always, you put him back there in like an escrow account, and you, you stay put until I need you. And let me live my life. When I get in trouble, I'll holler. Then you can help deliver me from my devastating dilemma. And the Lord said, uh, you, you don't get it. I want to lead you and guide you where you ought to go. I want to walk with you. I want to talk with you. God wants to fellowship with each and every one of us. Not just park him someplace and then live our lives. Down here we need food to maintain these bodies. But Jesus says, in the Old Testament, yes, your fathers ate manna and they're dead. He says, but I have some bread that if you eat this bread, you'll never hunger again. Now he was actually teaching them eternal security. 
that when you eat this bread, you never hunger again. So it means once you come to Christ and you trust him as your Savior, he gives you eternal life. How many times can he give you eternal life? Only one time. If it's eternal, it's eternal. So you can't lose it, so you never have to do it again. So when I trusted Christ as my Savior when I was 18 years old, 54 and a half years ago, I've never had to do it again. I can only get saved once. You can't get saved and then lose eternal life and then get eternal life again. Because if, if I can lose it, it had to be a sin that he never paid for. That means if I want to get saved again, I can't get saved again because Jesus isn't coming back to pay for that sin that cost me my salvation in the first place. So when Christ died on the cross, how many sins did he pay for? All of them. Past, present, future. All sin, all paid. One payment, never coming back to do it again. So once you believe that and you accept that payment he made for you, he gives you as a free gift eternal life. And so it's the water that springs up in the life everlasting and you never have to do it again. It's the bread that you eat that you never have to do it again. But now he's going to make some bread and feed it to them and they're still going to die because that wasn't the same bread. They were eating that bread. But he says, I am the bread of life. And he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. So it's a total difference. So look what he says here in verse 19. He commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and the two fishes and looking up to heaven, he blessed and brake and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat and were filled and they took up the fragments that remained 12 baskets full. Two or 12 baskets full left over of the scraps. Is he able to do abundantly, exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think? You think the disciples thought about this before he ever did it? No. So he was showing them. But see, later on, when he's no longer here, you're supposed to remember these stories. He says, oh, the Holy Spirit will bring these things to your remembrance. So, you know, there's a lot of things he can do. Doesn't mean you will. But he is able to do everything he wants to do. So if you have a God who is that powerful, what problem do you have that's greater than what he can solve? Do you and I have a problem too big for God? I don't think so. Because our God is able. 